Come on, well, good morning, LCM. Good morning. This is a special Sunday. I get to preach with my brothers this morning. All three of us are in town. Look, we're always in one accord. But these days, we're rarely in one place. Wednesday, the Lord seemed to be reminding our church that we are never at a disadvantage. The person... The man or woman of God who is full of the Holy Ghost is the majority in any situation. We've been praying for you. And we know that you are experiencing the power of holiness. We know it's having an impact on you, on your family, and on the world around you. We're excited for you. Are you excited? Yes. Amen. Well, the Stevens are going to be leaving this afternoon to head up to the Arising Church, one of our brothers Amen. to be able to minister to them there. So we want to jump straight into the scriptures today to get you into exactly what God has for you. Let's turn with us to Exodus chapter 34. Verse 5, say there when you're there. Then the Lord came down in a cloud, in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation. Here the first thing that we see, saints, is that the presence of the Lord is everywhere all of the time. Just as it was when we were in worship. Just as it is maybe when you're driving down the road and the presence of God begins to fill you. We begin to see that we're not limited to the access of his presence. Psalm 139 says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Well, this presence of God also, it has a certain level of demand of response. Because sin doesn't separate you from or separate the Lord from you. Sin separates you from the Lord. Let me say that one more time. Sin doesn't separate the Lord from you. It makes you separate from the Lord. Let's look at this further in verse 8. Moses bowed to the ground at once and worshiped. O Lord, if I have found favor in your eyes, he said, then let the Lord go with us. All of this is a stiff-necked people. Forgive our wickedness and our sin and take us as your inheritance. Then the Lord said, I am making a covenant with you. Isn't that a good word? Yeah. Before all your people, I will do wonders never done in any nation in all the world. The people you live among will see how awesome is the work that I, the Lord, will do for you. Come on, how awesome is our God? Jess, how awesome is our God? Larissa, how awesome is our God? Look, we're seeing works never before done. Families are being put back together. People are getting filled with the Holy Ghost. The timid are becoming strong. We are seeing that our God in us is a majority in every situation. How awesome is our God? Isn't it awesome when His presence dwells in us and the nations around us begin to take notice of the wonders that He's doing? Well, let's look at verse 11 and see what it takes. Obey what I command you today. Everybody say obey. 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 
I will drive out before you the Amorites, Canaanites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. We have a relationship here. And that is when you are obedient, you increase your awareness of his presence. Obedience increases your awareness of his presence. Who wants the veil lifted up this morning? Yeah! We need it. When your awareness of his presence heightens, your obedience becomes even easier. Yeah. And we see this in Moses. Turn with me to Exodus 33. In Exodus 33 and verse 12, it says this. Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me, lead these people. But you've not let me know whom you will send with me. Hmm. Boy, isn't that the right question? Yes. That's the right question for us today. Lord, we know that you have things for us to do. Uh, so who are you going to send with us? You said, I know you by name and you have found favor with me. Come on, we are in the midst of a church who has found some of God's favor. Amen. There are people who are walking in the favor of God because they are walking in obedience to his word and to his spirit. Verse 13 says, if you are pleased with me, Lord. Teach me your way so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Lord, if you're going to give me your presence, Lord, if you're going to do this, then show me how to walk in obedience that I might have your presence remain with me. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you. Amen. And I will give you rest. Yeah. Come on. This is such a clear principle that's being shown here. Moses understands the connection between God's presence and and our obedience, between our obedience and God's presence. An angel of God's presence is going to go with him, but they must obey. Yeah. Are you with us this morning? Yeah. Yeah. How are we going to get God's presence in our lives? We're going to obey what he's already spoken to us. Yes. And as we obey, we find his presence that helps us obey, that helps us stay in his presence. Come on. As they obey, the presence of God with them is an extraordinary aid to their obedience. Mm. Man, just think about it. Deuteronomy 29, 19 talks about people who want to evoke a blessings upon themselves, but want to persist in going their own way. Mm. See, we can't do that. We can't say, we can't be people who desire God's presence and decide that it's okay in any way in our lives to go our own way. See, there's an inextricable link between His presence and your obedience. And that's what we're laying out here for you today. Amen. Come on, but when you get in His presence, obedience is no longer a burden. When you get in His presence, His presence gets inside of you. That's a game changer, friends. His presence has a purpose in your life. It is difficult and impossible to obey without His presence. But when the presence of the Holy One fills you, you can begin to perform your purpose. When we obey, His presence is in us. When His presence is in us, it is so much easier to obey. Who wants to get full of the Holy Ghost? That whole process causes a transformation inside of you. I want to talk to you about it from Psalm 78. In Psalm 78, in verse 70, somebody say, there when you are there. 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 Yeah. There. There. Amen. He chose David, his servant, and he took him from the sheep pens. From tending the sheep, he brought him to be the shepherd of his people, Jacob of Israel, his inheritance. And David shepherded. 
them with integrity of heart. With skillful hands, he led them. Man, there's a whole mouthful right there. David had been a shepherd in training his entire life. Most people would consider it a promotion to go from shepherding a few of your father's sheep to become the chief statesman in Israel. But for David, the ultimate promotion was to go from a statesman to shepherding all of Israel. Like Jacob before him, like Moses before that, the men of God in the Bible fought false shepherds. They rolled away stones for God's sheep and they ended up becoming shepherds themselves. In fact, the goal of every man of God in the Bible was to shepherd someone because God was shepherding them. That's a good word. Throughout the patriarchs' lives, they referred to God as their shepherd. And then they, in turn, became just like him. They became shepherds. This starts with being in the presence of God. Because being in God's presence makes it easier to do the works of God. Well, I know what you guys uh, are thinking. You're down here at the altar. You're out there. Worship is just getting getting it on. It's about a level ten and a half. And we have the full manifest presence of God dwelling with us. You're thinking about all the things that he has called you to do. You're finding the courage, the depth of insight, the discernment of what you're going to do when you walk outside of these doors. But the difference is that usually when we walk out of these doors, we need to continue to carry that presence with us. Because by having that presence with us, it enables us to do the works of God. And that, therefore, makes it easier to feel the presence of God, more importantly, outside of these four walls. No one who lives like this is ever going to be disappointed. Mm. Well, we don't wake up in the morning and say, you know what, Pastor, today, I want to be disappointed. Not at all. No Pastor. one walks into these, these buildings and says, I want to get in worship and be disappointed. Pastor, I'm so disappointed that the God of the universe reached down inside of me and filled me with his presence. It's such a downer. I'm offended at God because of that. Said no one ever. 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 Let's all turn to Psalm 37, verse 23. Say, there when you are there. If the Lord delights in a man's way, He makes his steps firm. Though he stumble, he will not fall. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. One of the many blessings that I've had through the years is having Hebrew friends like Ohad, being able to read the scripture in its original language. Every once in a while, you find out, man, what we have is really good. But occasionally, something is just a little lost in translation. I've looked at this verse for more than 10 years, and I want to tell you extensive study could give you the idea that it could be paraphrased like this. The Lord orders the steps of his valiant man, not just any man, but a valiant man. And the course is one that the man himself is pleased with or has pleasure in, pleasure with in what I'm trying to tell you about this is that it takes courage to follow the path that the Lord lays out for you. Most don't do it. Most take a cowardly route, which is why the book of Revelation clearly says no coward will enter the kingdom. It takes courage to do what we're talking to you about today. It also takes obedience. 
What we're talking about today will take the presence of God. You know, there's really good news about all three of those things, though. They all tend to merge in the very same highway. In fact, when you have the courage to try to obey, His presence will help you get it done. And His presence helping you get it done only builds your courage. There is kind of a building effect that goes on. If you just have the courage to put your foot in the water, then His presence will split it. And once you've seen that done one time, you begin to expect it to happen the next time. Somewhere we got to pray for Holy Ghost courage. And when you begin to get filled with the courageous power of God, His presence shows up. That's called faith. And you begin to see the miracles that we were singing about today. And after a while, you have to use a term like Paul did extraordinary miracles because the other miracles had just kind of become ordinary. (laughs) They were expected. It's what you knew the Lord would do. Friends, this circle right here is the beginning of your victory. Pray for courage to begin to obey. And as you obey, His presence will help you do it. And the more of His presence you feel, the far uh, easier it is to begin to obey. You know what the side effect is? When you step out in your obedience... And the presence of God begins to fall upon you and you act in courage. Everyone else that's around you begins to respond in in like and same. I need you to step forward in obedience. I need you to be filled with his presence. I need to be inspired by your courage so that together we can all walk within this same circle. Come on, isn't this exactly what happened during worship today? This, this right here happened in worship today. We found and began to feel God's presence. And what happened? His words to us through prophecies, through interpretations, through tongues was, Be courageous, church. I am with you. I've got my presence upon you. I will make you victorious if you walk in obedience. This is exactly what happened. We had a nice little chart for you. And of course, the Lord does a better job of instructing than we can because He showed it to you during our worship time. Man, that should give you the courage. That should give you the fire to be obedient and stay in His presence. Turn with me to Genesis 29. Man, if you think that's good, you better wait to see what we got coming up for you. You know, we almost ordered seat belts with these chairs, but we decided not to because we want the Holy Ghost to have full control. Turbulence is expected. <laughs> Genesis 29 and verse 9. It says this, while he was still talking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherdess. Come on now. All right, this should be building the courage of every man and woman in this room. See, both Jacob and Moses, as Pastor Eric has already said, they married shepherdesses. They found them at a well, watering the sheep. The men had to open up the source of water so that the sheep could partake. The men had to drive away the false shepherds that were impeding these beautiful shepherdesses from doing exactly what they were called to do. My goodness. See, I have an absolutely drop-dead gorgeous shepherdess. Do you know where she is right now? I would like to point her out to you, but you know where she is? She is shepherdessing. (laughs) It's okay, I make up words. I got a microphone. It's all right. It'll be all right. I do that all the time. (laughs) Man, I have a beautiful shepherdess who loves, loves taking care of the sheep. That's what she's doing right now. She is a loyal joyful, 
boldly faithful, Amen. compassionate defender of the week who's got discernment about what everybody in the room is feeling. Man, you want my wife to be your friend. She will defend you when no one else is around. She will be advocating for you. She will be fighting for you when there's not even a fight. We're praying for you. And she's like, don't forget that this person really loves the Lord. And I'm like, I know that. We're praying for them. Yeah, but you got to really know. Yeah, you want a shepherdess like that. And you want to become a shepherdess like that, ladies. The men of God who followed the shepherd of Israel, they wanted to be shepherds. And they married women who were shepherdesses. See, this message today is not just for the guys. We will always be aiming at the men in the room. And we're unashamed of that. But you know what this message is? It's about every single person. Amen. When you're hearing shepherding, ladies, you should be thinking shepherdessing. You should be thinking along with us. And this applies to everyone here today. You know, church, I, I married a shepherdess. A loving, obedient, discerning, brave, sexy shepherdess. Woo! <laughs> that sounds like a song by Marvin Hetero. <laughs> I saw the obedience of God in her heart and led to the presence. And then I built up the courage to say, will you marry me? (laughs) On that thought, turn to Jeremiah chapter 3. Verse 15, say there when you're there. Then I will give you shepherds after my own heart. Who would lead you with knowledge and understanding. God frequently promised his people that he would raise up shepherds. That's plural. Multiple shepherds. You see the three of us up here. Did I call myself up here? Nope. Jesus did. Did Eric call himself up here? Nope. Wade? Nope. Jesus appointed us to stand up here and have ability to provide for you multiple shepherds. So the same thing he was doing with the nation of Israel, he's also doing with us. These shepherds would be different than the worthless ones because they were in God's presence. They were obedient shepherds. They knew the Lord and understood his will. You guys want to hear a story from Indonesia? So we go to a, a village, a neighborhood called a kampung. And there was one man of peace that God had ordained for us to meet. When we met with him, he was on his way in in the evening to the mosque to break fast for Ramadan, somewhere around 6 o'clock p.m. Well, we just wanted to talk to him and possibly talk to some of the other neighbors. He said, well, why don't you guys just come with me to the mosque? So we went along with him. They went and uh, started doing their prayer time. And we're all staying outside, kind of like, what do we do here? Well... So let's be brave. We kicked off our sandals. We walked up to the second floor where all the men were praying. And we just stood and watched in the window. And I was like, oh, man, we're sitting right on the doorstep of the enemy's camp. Why don't we begin to pray in the Holy Ghost? And let's find out what God does. When we begin to pray, we begin to feel the presence of God upon us. Isn't that right, Rick? Rick and I were up there just slaving away in 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 the tongues in the Holy Ghost. In that obedience and courage, we found God's presence. And after they were done praying, we're standing right there at the door. And the men begin to exit. They walk out and they're kind of surprised to see us. They're shaking our hands. And then out comes this one guy. And there's something about his eyes that drew me to him. I locked eyes with him. 
And he said, why don't you guys stay and eat with us as we want to break fast right after this prayer? We're like, no, no, it's okay. We, we got some, some places to go. We, we don't want to be a burden. He said, no, no, please stay. We have Texas fried chicken. Said, okay, so that's a must. We got to stay. So we, I took that as a cue that God was opening up a door for his presence to make an impact. We go downstairs, we begin to eat. Just so happens that this one guy who invited us, he was the imam of the whole mosque. In talking to him, I realized that there was an opportunity. Opportunity to display the presence of God and the gospel. So we began to tell our testimony, beginning with creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. Amen. And I was able to look him in the eyes, and I knew that through this translator, it wasn't an intellectual argument that I was trying to win. I was now at a place where I was shepherding him. He was in a place of being a worthless shepherd, leading other men and other women into the pits of hell with a false doctrine. But I knew that once he saw the presence of God inside of me, it would spur him on to want what I had. Brent looked at him and said, why did you become an imam? And he said, because I want a better place in my afterlife. And I began to look at him and said, I have chosen to follow Jesus because I want to be free and liberated from the slavery of sin. That no matter how much good I could ever do for other people, I could never make my eternal position secure without the blood of Jesus. While we were speaking, his son is sitting next to him, tapping him and saying, Dad, Dad, we're not supposed to talk about that with him. We're, we're kind of going beyond the limits. We need to stop talking about this. His father looked over him and said, Son... It's okay. Uh, I trust this man. God began to establish favor. And when it was said and done, we then set up on a connection with the imam of the mosque that controls the entire village, the kampun. And Brent is going back next week to follow up on that relationship. Hallelujah! Come on! Saints, when we're standing there, there is nothing that is superior or that triumphs over the name of Jesus and the presence of God within you. Amen. You know what? There was a discipleship moment as well. The young man that was translating for me, afterwards he said, all my life I have been scared to preach the gospel to imams and Muslims. But now, having translated for you, I am no longer fearful of doing that. How about a hand for mighty King Jesus? You could get the impression that the man who is filled with the Holy Ghost is never at a disadvantage. Never, right? Let's go to Jeremiah 23. When you discover verse 4, land on it. I will place shepherds over them who will tend them. And they will no longer be afraid or terrified. Nor will any be missing, declares the Lord. See, the Lord was frequently, in the word, upset with shepherds who mishandled his sheep. Ezekiel 34, as a whole, is dedicated to it, as are many other chapters in the Bible. A casual reading of Zechariah, you come across an antichrist-like figure who is called the worthless shepherd. He has a mark on his head and a withered arm. But the other thing that you see throughout the word are passages like this one. 
It's not a singular shepherd. It is, I will place shepherds, plural. God is constantly reassuring Israel that he will raise up a shepherd, but he will also raise up multiple shepherds. That is a theme that we want to work through as we go through this message. Take a look and turn with us to Micah chapter 5. Micah chapter 5, and we're going to start in verse 4. Come on, somebody turn to your neighbor and say, shepherds. Shepherds. Micah chapter 5 and verse 4. It says this. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely. For then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth, and he will be their peace. When the Assyrian invades our land and marches through our fortresses, we will raise up against him seven shepherds. Say seven shepherds. Seven Seven shepherds. shepherds. Even eight leaders of men. Now the truth is, is the Assyrian may mean a lot of things theologically. But you know what it definitely means in Micah's day? This is the representation of the largest threat to God's people. God's solution. Wasn't to, it was to raise up a particular type of army, but this army was led by shepherds. Amen. God's solution was to raise up a singular shepherd who would be the standard for a perfect number of other shepherds. A completeness in shepherding is what brings God's victory into this. It's almost like the end here is one who can start with a new beginning of what God has done. Come on. This representation here in Micah. Now, the truth is, is you may have read Micah many times. But I don't know if you've ever looked at it the way that we're presenting it to you today. God's solution is found in the shepherding process. This representation is a transition from simply being a sheep to becoming a shepherd of sheep. That transition from a person who is a sheep to becoming a shepherd of sheep. Let's go to Luke chapter 2. We'll start in verse 13. Say there when you're there. There. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on the earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Who exactly is the heavenly host appearing to in this passage? Shepherds. 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 That's right. Shepherds. Notice we're we're not talking about the clergy that were busy rocking people to sleep with their liturgies, with their clever essays and perfectly planned speeches. The good news of the kingdom, the power of the armies of heaven. And the task of proclaiming it, it came to the shepherds first. Come on, man. Amen. Let's pick up in verse 16. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. Amen. There's a responsibility they had to go and proclaim now this good news. Verse 18. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. Shepherds understand the Lord's will for those under their care. This is the nature and definition of a shepherd. Shepherds 
spread the word of God. Amen. They proclaim that which they understand. Yeah. Shepherds are backed by the presence of God. And even more so, they're backed by the armies of the living God. We are 28 minutes into this message. And I can tell by a few looks out there, you're not entirely sure what we're getting at. Let me assure you, you are right where we want you to be. <laughs> we're going to clarify a couple of things, then we're going to make the point crystal clear. And friends, you're going to love it. Amen. Let's go to John 8, 28. It's about to get even better, Paul. One of the most exciting things is you're living it right now. John 8, 28. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am the one I claim to be, and that I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. Somebody say, with me. With, with me. me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Even as he spoke, many put their faith in him. Jesus was always with his father. Yeah. Jesus always did what pleases the father. Yeah. The relationship between the presence of God and the obedience to God is perfectly displayed in the life of Jesus. His presence helps you to be obedient. And your obedience helps you to feel and perceive his presence. The God of Israel is first and foremost a shepherd. He turns his followers into shepherds. Jesus perfectly represents this, and we're going to take a look at it starting in John 10. Turn with us to John chapter 10, and we're going to start in verse 11. Jesus says this, I am the good shepherd. Well, that makes that pretty plain, doesn't it? Yeah. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. You know, this phrase that a good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep in this passage. We're not going to read the total passage, but you go back and check it. In John 10, seven times does it say that he's the good shepherd and that he's going to lay down his life for the sheep. Verse 12, the hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and run away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand. What an interesting thing to juxtapose against a good shepherd is a hired hand. Yeah. That's a worthless shepherd. That's a worthless shepherd there. You think you can get hired to be a pastor? Somebody go can... hire a father for your children. See how that works for you. What a ridiculous notion that you think that you can be hired to be a pastor. To be a shepherd of people. To be a father of your own children. These are the kind of men, and we see why so many who are in the ministry, quote unquote, are running away from the very sheep that they're supposed to be protecting. Yeah, that's right. But this is not the one that we're talking about today. Look at verse 14. Jesus says it again. I am the good shepherd. How many times does Jesus need to say something to us before it really starts to sink in? He's going to do it again. It's no trouble for him to say it again. It's actually a safeguard for us. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. See what we see in Jesus is the perfect representation of the father. Is the perfect execution of being a good shepherd. 
Just like I know the Father and He knows me, you know what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to know Jesus, and Jesus is supposed to know us. Yes. And I lay down my life for the sheep. Mm. What does it require to be a good shepherd? It requires that you lay down your life for those that you are trying to shepherd or shepherdess. This is what the uh, example that's being set by Jesus here is. The good shepherd is deeply connected to his sheep and they to him. Look at verse 16. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. What marks a true sheep in the flock of God's herd? It is the fact that they will listen to his voice. They know his voice. If he speaks, it rings and it resonates a beautiful tone in their ears and they respond to what the Lord is saying. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Somebody say one flock. One flock. Somebody say one shepherd. One One shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me. You don't have to demand it from me. I will lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Man, the good shepherds is one. He moves as one flock. The whole flock is moved as one because he is a good shepherd to us. Amen. We didn't give you a title, did we? This title is From Sheep to Shepherd. Now... You're pretty good with this imagery. Jesus is the shepherd. You're the sheep. We want to challenge that imagery today. Because when God calls a man, they never stay what he initially saved them as. This is life-changing ministries. There is a transformation that occurs. In the life of Jesus, you will see this clearly displayed. But there's something else we didn't explain to you. There's a picture on that screen, isn't there? You know, we been talking about shepherds it's easy to think of shepherds as the patriarchs jesus maybe even as your pastors we were never referring to clergy though in fact the entire time we've been talking about your calling not ours i want to talk to you about leader sheep i'm not making that up that's literally (laughs) what you're seeing on the screen this is an icelandic group of sheep that are referred to as leader sheep. It's not a corny pastor's joke as much as it sounds. If it was, I would have given this to Matt to say. I'll take it. (laughs) These sheep are put with other flocks because they naturally lead the other flocks. I want to tell you a little bit that came from their website. Caleb Brown found this for us this morning. Says these sheep are characterized by their intelligent and courageous behavior. They control the pace of the rest of the flock. They show an abnormal sensitivity to the care of the other sheep. I'm not making this up. This is what the website says about this Icelandic sheep. They are known to show great initiative. I love this one. They have an innate sense of when weather is coming. You know, I was kind of the black sheep of my family. I had to study this. 
So as I looked into it, I looked for the Latin designation. As I looked at the Icelandic leader sheep and I found the Latin designation, it was Abenegro Lentonius. <laughs> it was said that it was the blackest sheep in all of Iceland and proud of it. <laughs> Pastor, uh, it could also be said that uh, black sheep matter. Oh. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. The way it's said is it's pound black sheep matter, right? Uh, least we can do is quote the word while we're up here. I think it's more like once you've gone black sheep leader, you'll never go back to being a regular Christian. Yeah. Let's hop into Revelation 17 and we're going to make our point in a way that you can't miss. Yeah. Amen. I think the biggest amen in the room on that one came from Jessica. I just ah. want to tell you. Jess, I saw you yesterday with a phone app trying to figure out what your kids will look like. You just saw it right there. <laughs> the reality that you're about to see in Revelation 17, the Lord has been working on our group with since Carlos Rueda, another black sheep leader in this congregation. Everything that God did through Jesus, he also expects to do through you. Everything, even salvation of the rest of the human race, falls on our shoulders. Jesus made the way, he broke it open, he paid the cost, but we carry the message. Yeah. The reason that we are looking at Jesus is he is the example of what your life is supposed to look like. Do you agree with that? Yes. Is Jesus the example? Yes. yes. Revelation 7, let's look at verse 17. For the lamb, the what? The lamb. A lamb is a sheep. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Jesus Christ started as a lamb, but he becomes the great shepherd of the sheep. He is the example to every believer. Yeah, amen. Every man, somebody say every man. Every man. Is to shepherd his own home. So he can't just be a sheep. What is he also? A shepherd. A shepherd. Every man is supposed to shepherd his family. Now, I can't help but look at my sexy grandma, my beautiful wife down there, and hear what my brother said about a shepherdess. Yeah. I don't know why I'm drawn to the last part of that word, but it's intriguing. Shepherdesses. I couldn't shepherd my family without her, could I? Any single dads in this room? I know there are. Man, that hurts. It's almost like you're trying to do a whole job with half the tools. To have a shepherd and a shepherdess, one man, one woman, committed to each other for an eternity and bound together with an eternal task is every advantage. Yes. Jesus Christ gets his shepherdess. He gets that. Yeah. Yeah. It's what we are becoming. Every woman helps to shepherd her children. Yeah. In fact, every older brother is to shepherd his younger sibling. Come on, Ariases, you, you got your kids here. You ever have one of the older ones help you with one of the younger ones? 
I know the Clements do it. I, I, it's all around the church. In fact, at some point, your efforts to multiply are aided by your work done in previous years, aren't they? The whole point of this is that one of the very first questions asked in the Bible is, am I my brother's keeper? Yes, every man is to shepherd his neighbor. When you have been given the presence and you are walking in obedience, the natural result is being in the presence of the great shepherd makes you exactly like him. We move from sheep to shepherds. Well, let's say that uh, all together. We move from sheep to, to shepherds. Sheep have a certain characteristic. And that is they live to eat. That kind of defines a Piro household to a degree. <laughs> they live to eat or be eaten. However, it is the juvenile state of the believer of being a sheep. It's where you start. But praise God, it's not where you stay. Oh, come on. It's where you start, but it's not where you are to stay. The great shepherd leads sheep into transformation. Yeah. God gave us the name of this church, Life Changing Ministries. And you know what we're changing? We're changing sheep into shepherds. Amen. They became shepherds. And here is the order of the transformation that occurs. Led out of personal sin and into the holiness of his presence. That is the first step of transformation. Then it goes to now leading your family in obedience and in his presence. Come on, obedience and presence. Lastly, your family is now leading those around you into the same obedience and the presence that you were walking in. Yeah. We have an obligation, saints, and this is what we're trying to impress upon you. We're not to be just sheep, but we want to grow everyone into the point of being shepherds. Amen. Amen. Turn with us to Revelation chapter 5. You're going to see this in a beautiful example here. Revelation 5 and verse 5. It says this, Then one of the elders said to me, Wow, even in a heavenly vision, you got to have some elders who are going to speak something right into your life. They said to me, Do not weep. See. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. Yes. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. And what does the apostle, the elder John, see here? The man of God, the elder, is saying, don't weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah. When John looks, he sees a lamb. A lamb who had become a great shepherd. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain. Because he laid down his life for his sheep. Standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. Here we see that Jesus is both the lamb who died to sin once for all and the victorious lion shepherd. Yeah. See, you and I are called to be both, church. Yeah. Now, you're sitting here looking at us, and this is a revelation from the heavens. This is a word from God through some of your shepherds here to you to encourage you to stand up as sheep and to become the shepherds that you need to become. Amen. This is what we're called to be. Jesus set the perfect example. He was both the Lamb of God and a lion of a great shepherd for us. Yes. You are a sheep to those who are leading you. 
And you're a shepherd to those who are following you. Come on now. That's worth thinking about. You are a sheep to those that are leading you. But you are a shepherd to those that are following you. What does that really mean? That really means that the mark of maturity is when you are making other disciples. Amen to that. See, just like the physical mark of maturity is when you're old enough and have gone through the change and transition in your body to be able to reproduce life, when you're moving from a sheep to a leader sheep or a shepherd is when you are reproducing other Christians that are like you. Amen. Doesn't that make perfect sense? No, it really does. If you look in your word at the time period right before Jesus ascended, you see Jesus doing exactly this. He is looking at sheep that were wounded and he is turning them in to shepherds. Amen. Go with me to John 21. Actually, we'll show this one to you on a screen. Because I want you to see it in the complete Jewish translation. John 21 and verse 15. After breakfast, Yeshua said to Shimon Kepha, Shimon bar Yohanan, do you love me more than these? He replied, yes, Lord. You know I am your friend. He said to him, feed my lambs. Are you hearing it? Feed my babies. A second time he said to him, Shimon bar Yohanan, do you love me? He replied, yes, Lord, you know I'm your friend. He said to him, shepherd my sheep. See, that is an entirely different idea than just be a good sheep. The third time he said to him, Shimon bar Yohanan, are you my friend? Shimon was hurt that he questioned him a third time. Are you my friend? So he replied, Lord, you know everything. You know I'm your friend. Yeshua said to him, Feed my sheep. You could be sitting there thinking to yourself, yeah, but pastors, I think y'all are confused. Peter's called to the fivefold. That's why Jesus is doing this. The thing is, is you're familiar with Jesus being the great shepherd of the sheep. Yeah, we covered that. The great shepherd of the sheep. Say that. Great Great shepherd shepherd of the the sheep. Yeah, it looks like I'm wrong then. Except he's also called... The king of kings. The king of kings. Kings. See, he's also a shepherd of shepherds. What happens is you start as a sheep, but you never stay just existing to eat or be eaten. You start to care about your neighbor. You start to take seriously the responsibility over your household. You start to care about the world around you. He is the shepherd of all shepherds. And the more time you are in his presence in obedient, the more as a sheep you begin to resemble the shepherd. In fact, those Icelandic leadership, isn't that exactly what they're doing? You could drop them in any flock, anywhere, and they do what they saw their shepherd doing. They are effectively shepherding a flock even in the absence of the shepherd. That's an incredible thing. Every person in here is called to both make disciples and shepherd them. See, what happens is you have layers of shepherding in your life. When you make a disciple, they look to you to show them how to walk in this new faith. And you also are looking to shepherds 
in your life to show you how to show them how to walk in the faith. A healthy church, you ought to be both a sheep and a shepherd depending on who you are standing with. But nobody exists to eat and be eaten. We exist to affect the world around us. Amen? Amen. One of the additional experiences we had in Indonesia is watching Brent develop his disciples. In that process, two weeks prior to our arrival, Brent asked one of his disciples to set up a meeting with a family that's five minutes away from Brent's house, that we would break fast with him for Ramadan. Well, we get to the point. It's five minutes before we need to leave to go meet this family. They send a drop pin of where their house is just so that we can make sure we're going to the right home. We realize it's 45 minutes away and not even the family that they thought they were originally contacting. It was in a completely different section uh, outside of Jakarta. It was in a town named Bantul. It just so happens that the great shepherd was redirecting our entire plan the entire time. That he redirected us to a home that Wade and the team the year previous were driving around in, praying in the Holy Ghost. God gives them a word of a direction to go. It's a dead-end street. They get out the car and are asking the great shepherd, what do we do? And a man walks out of his house and invites them in for dinner. That same man in his household was the household that we ended up going to in Bantul this year. That this entire time, the Holy Ghost, through the great shepherd and through shepherds here on earth, was directing our footsteps to a house that was receiving our peace. And now there's an established connection and relationship that will afford for them to come to Brent's house and be able to hear the gospel. Anybody ever needed to change direction? Yes. Have you ever needed the presence of God help you get your obedience working in a little different direction? Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. What you heard in that example is God's ability to lead the obedient because they're sensitive to his presence. Yes. What you saw in the example of John 21 is even when a man had failed three times to acknowledge Jesus, mm. the cure for it three times was to learn to become a shepherd. In other words, when you begin to obey, caring about the other person more than yourself, God's presence comes on you in a way that makes obedience easier than it's ever been. He will redirect you if you will simply obey in the direction that He is pushing you. And every man, every woman, every young man, every teenager in this room are sheep in training to be shepherds. And you start right where you are at, and God will bless it every step of the way. Consider that this pastorate is not standing on a high theological stage saying, we are shepherds and you are sheep. We are actually saying there is not a dime's difference between you and us, except we also have the responsibility of you. Amen. This is what a community of the kingdom looks like. There are no high and lifted up men with titles you don't have. You have the exact same job that we do. Part of our job just also includes helping you do yours. That's a really different view than you usually hear, isn't it? You won't catch our books on sale for (laughs) $19.99. You won't catch messages 
designed to make you pay for them. Do you know why? No shepherd charges his sheep for anything. They have a relationship that is based on a deep and intimate connection. There is a shepherd above us called a chief shepherd. There are, in that sense, we are but sheep. (laughs) There are sheep that we are responsible for, which makes us shepherds. But there's nobody in this room save our toddlers that that is not also true of. Every man in this room is the shepherd of your home. In that sense, they are your sheep and you are leading them. When we look at you and see how you were leading them and talk to you about it, it's because the way that we ended up shepherding the church was based on how we shepherded our homes. The Lord builds in a layer everywhere so that no sheep are lost. Look, it's important that you don't get the sheep smacked out of you. (laughs) You you, You have to have the time. To get His presence in you in a way that transforms you into His purpose for your life. Are you excited about that? We are excited about watching what comes from your life as you shepherd your households. As you shepherd your workplaces. As you shepherd your neighbors. The man who is full of the Holy Spirit is a light anywhere he is. And that is a shepherding influence. Amen. What a beautiful thing. Turn with us to Acts chapter 20. This is a beautiful passage. Acts chapter 20 and verse 28. Man, what a right message for us today. That impacts every man and woman in this room. Look what Acts 20, 28 says. It says this, keep watch over yourselves. Yeah, it's a good place to start, isn't it? (laughs) But pastor, I'm single. All right, keep watch over yourself. That's good advice for a single person. No, that really is. Keep watch over yourselves and all of the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you an overseer. Yeah. Wow. As you are faithful to destroy sin in your own life, to lead your own family, and to impact the nations, this is what this is speaking of here. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you an overseer. Be shepherds of the church of God. Yeah. Which he bought with his own blood. See, he's reminding you. There's a shepherding process that goes on even in the church. And it's not just from the three men that you see standing on the stage. My whole life has been about equipping sheep. Yes. Everything that I have ever done, even before I understood it, was about equipping the sheep. See, the Lord started me off as the oldest child in my family. You know what that meant? From the time I was two, I had someone who was responsible. I was trying to show the right way. This is what the Lord is saying. But what are we trying what have I spent my whole life trying to do? Trying to equip the sheep to do what? To become shepherds. To become proficient at being a good follower so that they may in turn then be able to lead the others who are watching them. These men here that are being talked to and talked about were elders after about three To five years of being in the faith. Yeah. Man, think about our elders here in this church. Think about Charlie Brown. Think about Baj Erigina. Think about John Dang. Think about these men in this church. Do you know why that they're elders? It's because they've learned to shepherd their own families well. Yeah. Yeah. 
Then they in turn learned how to shepherd their own communities well. Man, this is something that everyone in the room is aiming for. Let's talk about, let me, let me talk about our elders just for another minute because I love these men. I seek to spend time with them every single week. We tr- I try to make sure that I'm spending time with these men. You know why? Because I'm also a sheep. I am being shepherded by the great shepherd. I'm also, these men are helping me to learn how to do this even better. I'm listening to them. I'm watching their shepherding and going, wow, wow, I could really, really learn from that. The truth is, is this is why that we set them in the places that the Lord has set them in the places that they are in is so that everyone in the room can see men who are shepherding well so that you might do the same. Come on. This is an honorable goal for every person in the room. No one is left out. If you're upset because I named men's names and you didn't name yours, that means you're still acting like a sheep. We're going to say grow up and be like the men that I'm holding up before you. That you might be a shepherd like these men are doing. This is an honorable suit. Come on, who in the room isn't aiming for that? This is your aim. you got to be aiming for that. Yeah, I confused you with the question there. Some of you are like, yes! Who wants to fail? Yes, I want to fail. No. It's okay. In general, in a charismatic church, you never want to make it a negative to raise the hands. uh, I did that. Yes, I did. (laughs) Who wants to aim for that? Yes! (laughs) As we were sitting kind of marveling at this revelation today, it's neat how every time you turn the stone, you find a new beautiful facet of it. I was thinking back to 25 years ago. And I remember uh, Elder Charlie talking to me about, son, did you invite those people to church? Then why didn't you get here before they got here? So they would feel comfortable when they came in. Son, did you share the word with that guy? Then you were responsible for making sure that you set an example that is worthy of the word that you shared with him. I remember him telling me that at 18 years old. He watched me grow from that 18-year-old into a man who is pastoring now uh, a little bit. And the people that have been born again and raised up through our ministry are pastoring. It's a very interesting thing. I will be in the arising church here in a few days. Those men see me as their pastor. To, To me, they are sheep. Uh, they're shepherd sheep, they're Icelandic leadership sheep, they're Abin Negro Lintonius sheep. But I remember when they were sheep and watched them grow into more. Yeah. What Wade yeah. is trying to do, what Matthew is trying to do with you, we know works because we've done it now for generations. Yeah. In your life, you should always have somebody that is looking to you for guidance and you should always be looking to someone for guidance because the transforming power of the King of Kings works through people like that. We're not talking about setting up the papacy. I don't like funny hats and those clerical colors are like a warning label that says keep your kids away. I'm talking about men who you have examined their lives and when you see their lives... And the way their households work, you go, that's something that I want to imitate. And then others watch you imitating that, and they want to imitate you. This is how discipleship works as a process. And it's why it doesn't mean that 150 people have to follow at Matt's heels. 
It doesn't work that way. It never has. God will provide the right opportunities for you to spend time in the right places to get exactly what you need. And it will be a series of people following in rabbi's footsteps. Does that make sense? Let's go to Hebrew 13. In any given week, you can go to Ashford Memorial Car Care. That's an auto care. That's that's a plug for y'all's business. Ashford Memorial Car Care. And you can find more people from LCM sitting in the waiting room area than actual clients are getting their cars fixed. It's because you guys are going in there and you're getting your souls fixed. You're getting your walk with God right. You are drawn to meet with Baj because he shepherds you. And that demonstrates that he is a good elder. We have sitting among us right now those that were once teenagers or sub-teenagers and have now grown into fine women and men of God. And that's credited to John and Joy Day. Yes, without and any for question. years... They have poured their lives into these young ones, and they are now standing before us as ornaments hanging around our neck. You know what's most beautiful about that? Because John and Joy at the time did not have children. It formed a a unique link in the chain. They were looking at the children. They were pastoring the children and then running to us going, is this how this should go? Yes, you're doing a fine job. I wish I had thought of that. They run back, do it some more, and then come and ask. That is what we're talking about. Generations of discipleship because everyone is shepherding someone. Amen. 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 Are you in Hebrews 13? Look at verse 20. May the God of Shalom, the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good For doing his will. Hey, if his job is to shepherd the sheep, what do you think his will is? That the sheep be shepherded. You are being equipped to help the great shepherd of the sheep shepherd them. He is the head of the body. You are the members of his body. When he wants to do something for the world, he does it through you. The whole way that this works is that great shepherd of the sheep equips you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work into us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. The great shepherd of the sheep made a way for you to enter into the presence of God. It was his obedience that opened the door for you to enter the presence. Your obedience now increases your awareness of his presence have you found out that the more of the work of god you do the more of the work of god you want to do the more you get absorbed in something besides the work of god the less you feel his presence the further the the more distance you feel between you and him when a sheep is obedient and in the presence of a shepherd the sheep begins to be transformed into a shepherd himself because that is what he is imitating. It's really that simple. I want to give you three clear directives that we've been speaking about for some time. You must rule over your own sin. This was told to Cain in uh, Genesis 4. If you don't rule over your own sin, it will ruin everything including you. 
You can see this example. Every time a man sins, it doesn't stay with him. It spreads. The next thing that you have to do is shepherd your family. When you don't rule over your own sin, you don't end up shepherding your family. You end up listening to a bad suggestion like, I don't know, maybe you could hang out with my friend Hagar for a while. (laughs) You end up drunk and naked and your youngest son uh, do something indecent and the whole new world tainted. You end up misrepresenting God to your family. If you will rule over your own sin, he will show you how to shepherd your family. And as you shepherd your family, your whole family, shepherd and shepherdess, (laughs) will rise to affect the world around you. It's incredible how many times we are seeing one life, one family, one nation in the word. It's always been God's plan. It's his plan for you. It's his plan for us. If you will stretch forward in obedience, His presence will rush in to you. And the more you feel His presence, the more you get addicted to being obedient. Look, who in here has the courage to try? If you have the courage to try, He will reward you with His presence. And the result will be more and more obedience. This is what a victorious Christian life is looks like. And it's what sets us apart from worthless shepherds. It's not our goal to look down on someone else. It's if you are not reproducing, then we're missing the whole point. It's all about making disciples. To make a disciple, you have to be a good disciple. Look, there are so many ways this is said. The reason that you learn to love the leadership that is leading you is because you know the responsibility of leading those that you have to lead. The clearest sign that you do not understand leadership is resentment of those that are trying to help lead you. It means that you're not taking your job to lead seriously. Because if you were, you would have a tremendous appreciation for anyone trying to help you. Because leadership at any level is impossible without His presence and obedience. At any level. Even a two-year-old child and you're a 40-year-old man. It's impossible. Do you know why? How do you affect His heart? You you can affect His behavior. I mean, you, you, you can physically force. But how do you transform the heart? You have to trust the Lord to do for Him what He's doing for you. Leadership at any level requires presence and obedience. And if you are leading at any level, you appreciate the levels of leadership above you that are trying to help you. Doesn't that make good sense to you? It makes precious sense to me. Let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. We'll start in verse 2. Say there when you're there. There. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. Serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. Not greedy for money, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Look at some of those marks. Overseer. 
a shepherd of God's flock. So, well, pastor, that's clearly talking about the elders. The elders of what? Mm-hmm. Well, the elders of the church. What's the elder of your home? Yeah. What's the eldest member in the Lord at your workplace? What's the most mature Christian on your street? See, everything in the church flows from what's going on in the home and everything outside in the world is supposed to be affected by what's going on in your home and in the church. What we're getting at is that Peter is speaking to the leaders of a church. But the advice is the same for a leader on any level. And everybody is supposed to be growing. So, so what does it look like? Willing. How willing are you to put yourself out for someone else? As a grandparent, one of the things my wife and I have been talking about a lot, kids can be inconvenient. Grandkids, never. (laughs) I'm kidding. Children of any age are like a tornado. They come into a perfectly ordered home, they bring chaos, and you spend the whole time joyfully driving it out. It's it's what happens. (laughs) But we keep running into people that are, like, resentful of of having to lead their children or grandchildren. It's really hard to understand. They're the great joy of our life. I couldn't spend enough time with them. I love them. I love everybody they love. It, it, it's All I want to do is spend time around them. Leadership requires you to let your house get messy. Leadership requires you to stand with people in bad situations, which means... You've willingly put yourself in a bad situation. Anything that a father should do for a son, a pastor should do with sheep. But another way to say that is anything that a pastor or a shepherd does with sheep, a father should be doing with his family. It's not two separate worlds. They're actually mirrors of each other. Willing. Let's check our willingness. Do you protect how neat and ordered your house is? Do you protect your schedule? Do you protect... Or are you looking for any chance to lay down your life for someone else? Second, he said, not lording it over them. In other words, not so that you will be seen as an overseer. I got to tell you, the people that I have had the best, most thriving relationships with in my entire life, nobody ever had to tell them what our roles were. We never had to announce it on business cards. Never was there an exertion of authority over. There was only a request for leadership. You really shouldn't be trying to show any more authority in somebody's life than they have asked you to. But if you are living in a way that is worth imitating, people ought to be asking you. Does that make sense? I never asked, I'm I'm sorry, Charlie never came to me and said, I want you to do everything that I tell you to do. It's me going to Charlie saying, you are the closest thing that I have to a father. You have been in the faith uh, my whole Christian walk. I will not refuse anything that you tell me to do. I say the same exact thing to Bosch. In other words, where it comes from is their request. Next, he says, but eager to serve. Is the kind of leadership we're talking about, the kind of shepherding, serving someone or being served by them? Leadership does not mean somebody else goes and gets the trash now because you're a leader. Somebody else does the dishes now because you're a leader. Leadership does not mean exaltation. Leadership means 
You have descended like Jesus to serve in what area, ever, what, what area is the least, whatever area is the least. That's the whole goal. In fact, he goes on to say that you have been entrusted. Like to be entrusted. That's an incredible thing. Jesus is allowing you to influence something that belongs to him. How important is that? He says, be examples to the flock. Where we are standing here and what we are asking you to do is exactly what the word says. Follow our example as we follow Christ. But you must be being an example first to your family and then to the world around you. This is always outward focused. It has to be. You may be sheep on some level, but in every way, the glorious power of our God is transforming you into shepherds. Are you ready to shepherd those that God has given you? Yeah. Pastor, while we're talking about this, consider for just a minute as, as we're getting ready to close. This passage here in First Peter was written by Peter. See, it's amazing that earlier today that we were talking about this. This was Jesus' instructions to Peter, the most corrected man in all of the Bible. Also one of the most powerful men in all of the Bible. What was Jesus instructing? Jesus in his resurrected form before he ascends is instructing him about taking care of the sheep. What does Peter then turn and do for us? He says, you must be shepherds of God's flock. It's almost like he heard something and was transformed from a sheep into a powerful shepherd. And what he's trying to do is encourage us and say, you need to be a good shepherd too. You need to be a shepherd of God's flock. See, he wasn't speaking out of inexperience. He had seen the great shepherd do this. He had watched his life and made so many mistakes. It could have been embarrassing. It could have been crippling. But what he did instead was go, huh, yeah, I will go ahead and do exactly what I will feed the lambs. I will shepherd the sheep. I will feed the sheep. And what he learned here is giving us the right perspective on what we are, what we must do. This is not a suggestion to anyone in the room. This is our mandate by God through a man who learned it from the great shepherd. Of this is what he wants us to do. And if you read it with that perspective, you start hearing some pretty amazing things. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. God, he had seen Jesus do this. Not because you must, but because you are willing. As God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. You know, examples sometimes is even when we make mistakes. Because we're living in such close quarters, you get to see what's going on. What a beautiful thought. As we close, I'm reminded of where Pastor Matthew began this message. It was in Exodus 34 saying, really, that if we were obedient, his presence would go with us and there would be wonders never before seen in any nation. Looking at that and remembering that Peter was speaking to Jesus in John 21, a man of immense trial and error failure. He goes on to have God's presence moving in him in such a way that his shadow is healing people. It is exactly a fulfillment of what Exodus 34 is talking about. If we will have the courage to try in obedience, 
His presence will come and do what we could never have done before. We will raise up generations of people that both know how to be a sheep of Jesus and a shepherd or leader of men. We will actually crush the Assyrian in our land. When you think of crushing the Assyrian for a minute, this stands for whatever is oppressing you in your time. So what holds you back? What makes you feel inadequate to exert kingdom influence in your children's life? What makes you feel incompetent or disqualified from sharing the light of the kingdom with your beautiful shepherdess? What in your life is a barrier between you and your neighbor and sharing with them the heart of our great shepherd displayed in your actions? Because Isaiah said, Build up, build up, remove the obstacles out of the way of my people. God wants to dwell with them and he wants to do it through you. Whatever that is, is the Assyrian that he will crush. Do you need to name an Assyrian today? (laughs) Do you need to identify something that is making you timid or holding you back? Because the man who is filled with the Holy Ghost cannot be put at a disadvantage. You just found an Assyrian that you're about to kill. God will raise up seven shepherds, a perfect number. He will raise up even eight. He'll give you a new beginning right here, right now. The very same passage speaks of the town that Jesus would be born in, Bethlehem. That's because at the moment that he entered the world, you had the right to become something altogether different. You've taken him up on that. You believe in him. You've become sons of God. Now, in addition to believing in him, we have to become like him. Not just shepherds. Great shepherds. Would you stand to your feet? Your whole Christian walk, you focused on following Jesus. For just a minute, I want to focus on who's following you. Is the walk that you are displaying to the people who are watching you worth Jesus dying for? Does it communicate the same value, the same message? Or do you need to make an adjustment? The message that we preach and the deeds that we do have to equal the life of Jesus. They have to. I suspect that we could make movement in this room to be more like Jesus. What I'm here to tell you is that he's not beating you over the head with the shepherd's staff. He's telling you there'll be a rod and a comfort to you. He's telling you that he will show you exactly how to do it if you have the courage to try. That this is the year of the shepherd's prosperity for you. The year that if you follow him, he will give you people that are willing to follow you following him. This is a multiplying year. But we want to make sure that our walk is worth following. That's everything. Father, 
we're asking now that you would show us where the Assyrian is in our land. That this moment, Lord, we might remove anything that keeps us from being the leader sheep that we're called to be. We know that when idols in our land are crushed, when the bar of our oppression is broken, then we hold our heads high. We want to walk out of here with our heads held high. We want to reflect Your glory. We want people to see in our shepherding the great shepherd. Will You come and move upon us today? Will You show us as parents how to pastor our children? Will You show us as husbands how to lead our wives? Mighty God, will You show us today how to have the courage to obey that Your presence might lead us?